Hey everybody, how we all doing? I'm Mike, joined by Alex as always. How's it going? And this is Fallen Through Potholes, a podcast about video game plot lines and how they have a tendency to fall off the rails. And this is part four, the final part of a series on Shenmue, the series of Bayou Suzuki and Sega that is profound. And by profound, I mean usually profoundly over budget and uh, <laughs> over scoped, as we're going to find out today as we talk about Shenmue 3's plot. Uh, if you want to learn about the development of Shenmue 3, uh, you can check that out in part three. And if you want to just check out the Shenmue series in general, I definitely encourage you to check out the first part uh, in all this because it's a it's a wild ride to say the least. But we're finally at the end of said ride, Alex. Yeah, I'm I'm excited. As you should be, as you should be, because the plot of Shenmue Three is an interesting one, mm. where both things happen and somehow don't happen, where. There's going to be a lot of elements that are going to just repeat themselves over and over. <laughs> and a, a character who is going to be maybe the most transparently evil person in a sense of like, not like they're kicking puppies, but like you see this person and you go, that hey, you're a bad person, aren't you? Uh-huh. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. Oh, yeah. It's going to be really, really good. But before we get into this, have you uh, played Shedbu 3 at all? I have not. I have seen gameplay of it in limited snippets, but I've never touched it. Oh my god, you are not missing much. Yeah. I have now tried twice to play Shenmue 3. Mm. I really wanted to play through the entire game before we did today's episode. Mm -hmm. uh, instead of just like relying on like cutscenes or whatnot. But it is a game that... Here's my review of Shenmue 3, I guess is what I'm going to be saying. Uh-huh. It is a game that fights you every step of the way. Graphically, this game looks incredibly good in still images. It it actually reminds me an awful lot of Trials of Mana, that uh, mm. remake of that Super Nintendo game, where it's like, man, this game looks really nice. Until uh -huh. so you actually see an action, you're like, oh, okay, no, this was definitely made for a lower budget. Yeah. This, this is exactly like that. Like, characters walk with such a rigid stiffness to them. Um like the actual like materials that are like on the clothes and whatnot definitely seem like they were pulled straight out of the un like Unreal <laughs> Engine asset uh -huh. library. Not really messed around with too much. Uh, there are still like details put into things that honestly probably could have been skipped, such as the fact in Shenwa's house where you start, you can literally open up every drawer. There's nothing really in any of them. Occasionally, Rio will make a comment about one or two of them. But there's not really anything else you could do with them. But mm -hmm. that's a Shenmue staple, so it yep. has to be in here. Yep. It's, a, it's a, such a staple that even in a room that you cannot get into, if you clip your way in there, you can open up all of those drawers uh, as well. Okay. It's, yeah, it's too much. It's too much. Mm-hmm. I will say, though, that once again, in still screenshots, this game is absolutely beautiful. The village you start in, Bailu Village, for instance, is basically just like, what if there's a lot of like purple, orange, and green everywhere, and it's very vibrant, and it's mm -hmm. like, hell yeah, this looks good. Yeah. They don't make games that have those colors like they used to, or anymore, really. And th they should, man. Make things garish. I'm cool with it. Yeah. It's a game where Rio controls absolutely terribly. There's a stamina system in this game now. And by saying uh... stamina is tied directly to your health. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So yeah, as you like run, you lose health. And then when you get to fights, you'll have less health to use. So you better walk everywhere. Walking is so slow. But that's what people do. People walk. They don't just run everywhere. That's weird. Right. Ignore the fact that in Shinmu you had an infinite stamina to run around with. Right. Um, the fighting system is now pretty different. Like literally the tutorial for it is like just hit buttons. Things will happen. Yeah. And that's like one of the biggest things I've heard is because, of course, they couldn't just use the Virtua Fighter engine anymore. They had to make a new one. Mm -hmm. But they didn't really do that. They just sort of made something that would look stylish with yep. no depth. Yep. Yeah. And that's exactly what that is. It's it's not great. It's not yeah. great at all. But maybe like the biggest thing here is the cutscene direction mm -hmm. and how conversations are handled. So to start with, all your favorite voice actors are back in Shenmue. Uh, you know, with a, with a few exceptions here and there. Uh, the mm -hmm. voice of Ren, for instance, in Landi was recast. But 
they're there, and it's clear that Yu Suzuki is still doing the voice direction for this game, because the voice actress for Shinwa was told very, very specifically that she had to have, like, a voice that was very sure and, like, confident, but, like, not overly emotional, which she said made it very difficult to actually record any voice lines in this game, and it comes off very clearly because mm-hmm. she sounds like a robot. <laughs> and it doesn't help with the fact that when you have conversations with people, you'll have a conversation with them, then it will fade to black, and then you'll, you and the person you're talking to will be in a slightly different pose, and then you'll continue the conversation. In a way that when this happened the first couple times, oh, I thought they were just you know, cutting forward in time, because, right. like, oh, they're walking somewhere. No, they just, I guess, have to reload the animations or something. I don't know. It makes it so jarring, Alex. Yeah, that's weird. Mm-hmm. That's really weird. Yeah, it is absolutely strange with some of the decisions that they're going to make with the direction of how things look and act in this game. In a way that, like, they definitely didn't do with Shenmue, uh, a game that, honestly, still has kind of amazing direction in the scenes to this day. So, yeah, it's um, it's not a fun game to play, is what I'm trying to get at. But, boy, they yeah. really hit you with the Shenmue, uh, the Shenmue staples. Like, the second uh-huh. you get the Bailu Village, you're like... There's five capsule machines you can use. They all have different <laughs> things. Also, the random number generator is broken in there. So if you button through too quickly, you'll always get the same capsule toy. Uh, there's a ton of mini games you can do to earn money, and you have to earn money in order to buy food. So you can eat food, so you can replenish your stamina, so you don't instantly lose fights the second you get in them. There is, of course, random chance games. Like, there's a game where you could race turtles. <laughs> I actually sure. like I actually like the turtle racing game. There was also supposed to be a snail racing game, but the snails are supposed to go so slow that you had to come back the next day to find out who won. <laughs> which is a funny joke. That's pretty good, yeah. But I'm sad that got that actually got cut. Oh. In fact, apparently there was a t- there was an entire village that was cut that was just going to be full of dumb mini games, which maybe was for the best. Yeah, probably. So yeah, and needless to say, Shedbu unfortunately was not a particularly fun game to play. So right. uh, I instead watched a ton of cutscenes. And I am now prepared to tell you about Shenmue 3. Once again, a game where, oh, things happen, I guess. A castle burns down. It's less exciting than it seems. Hmm. So Shenmue 3 begins on March 23rst. 23rst? The thirstiest of months. March 21st, (laughs) 1987. Literally seven days before I was born. Which was weird. Yeah. It was weird seeing that. Yeah. I, I keep forgetting this game is, like, now 30 years in the past. Yeah, this game is only slightly older than me, technically, by a timeline perspective. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really weird. So we pick off literally right after the events of Shenmue 2, which I had kind of forgotten what the ending of Shenmue 2 was when I uh, started playing this game. I started playing this game before I even wrote any episodes uh, okay. for this. Right. So it starts with the two giant mirrors and everything on fire right. while, while Shenhua and Ryo are just staring forward like, huh. And I was like, what the hell is going on here? And then I, I remember it's like, oh, right, that happened. Where's the floating sword? <laughs> <laughs> so they all leave the, the cavern like, wow, that was crazy. And Shenhua is like, yeah, I guess we just go back to our house. We need to find my father. <laughs> and so they walk back and they spend the night and the next morning, like, okay, we're finally going to go to Bailu Village, the place that we were going to at the end of Shenmue 2. But then 17 years passed, uh-huh. and we're barely getting to it now. So they get down to Bailu Village. Uh, you have to enter it via this uh, ornate uh, bridge called the Verdant Bridge, a bridge that has a mystery to it that is much less interesting than the game really wants you to think it is. Upon entering it, you find out that a group of thugs, thugs have shown up and they are looking for stonemasons, just like Shenhua's father. And they've been basically going to their houses and like breaking stuff and beating people up and finding stonemasons and kidnapping them. And so they're like, oh man, uh, Shenhua's dad, who's missing, Yu Shen Yan, must have been one of the stonemasons that got kidnapped. So we gotta investigate, find out who these thugs are and figure out what's going on. And so in you know, basically what happens is that, uh, and this is going to happen constantly throughout the game, Shenhua and Ryo will either team up or split up as they go and investigate various uh, people and figure out what's going on. Mm-hmm. And so upon learning that these thugs have attacked and raided several stonemason houses, uh, 
They end up uh, finding out that Yushin Yan's best friend, Goei Yuzu, also ended up getting kidnapped. So, Ryu investigates Bailu Village by himself. He meets various martial arts masters, including Grandmaster Fong, and a drunk by the name of Juicy Sun. Uh, two people who actually were familiar with uh, Ryo's father and actually met him back in the day. So, he, like, Ryo tries to get information from them about his dad, and they're like, eh, we'll tell you later or something. I don't know. Go <laughs> uh-huh. away. Because, you know, it has to be a mystery. Yep. It can't reveal information until the proper moment. Never mind. It's chapter six now. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. Oh, it should be noted that I don't really know what chapters this game covers, other than definitely chapter six. I will say that Yu Suzuki says, at, by the end of Shenmue 3, you're 40% of the way through the story. Great. So, uh, I think it might literally just be chapter six. <laughs> that, that would kind of make sense. It unfortunately would. So, they do eventually point Ryo in the right direction, and Ryo eventually encounters these thugs, and they're led by a giant man by the name of Yan Lang. Like, Yan Lang is like a seven foot five, like, monster of a man, just like, built like a brick shit house, bright red hair, basically could take a punch. Ryo tries to fight this guy a couple times, and every time he just gets beaten up. And then, like, it's gonna be a reoccurring thing. It's like, he'll beat up Ryo and be like, ha ha, you should go away and come back when you could actually fight. Yeah, let your girlfriend take you home. Blah. Like, he acts like a, like a weird high school bully instead uh-huh. of, like, a thug for the Chiyu man who should be dangerous. <laughs> and yeah, like, it gets really funny because eventually Ryo and Shenwa start coming up with really dumb plans, like, beat him up, like, all right, Shenwa, go on and knock on the door. And when he opens it, I'll ambush him. And she'll, like, knock on the door and he'll, like, answer and be like, who are you? <laughs> and then, like, Ryo, like, would backhand him. He's like, ow, my nose. I'm gonna beat you up now. <laughs> <laughs> like, this will constantly happen. Ryo will be knocked out for days and be like, oh, man, maybe I need to get some training. So at first, he seeks the help of Grandmaster Fong, a friend of Ryo's father. But after he, like, tells him, he's like, yeah, I want to get revenge and defeat these people, and you need to teach me techniques. He's like, yeah, if I just teach you techniques, you're just only gonna half-ass learn them, and then you're gonna go get beat up. So, uh, nope, go away. So he's like, ah, oh, man, all right. Well, maybe if I go talk to the drunk, it'll be better. So he seeks the help of Juicy's son. And after leaving some alcohol out for him and luring him into a trap at his abandoned temple, he ends up, like, talking to him. And he's like, oh, yeah, sure, I, I guess I could teach you about things. Uh, I'm a master of Baji Shen, by the way. Hmm. There's going to be a lot of masters of Baji Shen in this game. Of course, yeah. As we're going to learn. And so Juicy agrees to teach him in exchange for basically getting all the liquor in China for him. Uh-huh. Including rare aged liquors and whatnot, which Rio's like, I, this doesn't seem like proper training, but okay. Mm-hmm. So he goes and he has to go on like, like an arduous like, quest to find different liquors and bring it back to him. Once he does, he's like, man, that's pretty great. All right, how about you catch a bunch of chickens? And Rio's like, do I have to? He's like, yeah, pretty much. Anyways. So during all this running around, Juicy tell, tells him about his father and how he knew him and Zhao Zhu Ming. Uh, Zhao being, of course, the man who died under mysterious circumstances and is Landi's father. Right. We also learned that the Phoenix and Dragon Mirrors were apparently made by Yu Shen Yan's grandfather for the Emperor of China way back when, in 1910. And apparently, when Zhu Xi was a kid, he saw these envoys come to Bailu Village to pick up the mirror. So, it turns out also that Iwao, uh, Ryo's father, and Zhao trained under Grandmaster Fang, or Grandmaster Fong, and became masters in Baji Zhen. And then later, Zhao died under mysterious circumstances years later. After this, Juicy agrees to teach Ryo proper form and techniques to use some of the more advanced moves in Baji Zhen. And Ryo's like, oh, all the stuff I was doing was training for this. And he's like, yep, I was, I was pulling the karate kid on you. Anyways, thanks for the liquor. <laughs> Go and not die, please. Uh-huh. So Ryo finds and defeats uh, Yanling with, the, with his new move and whatnot. The body check, what it's called. So they get him and tie him up and whatnot. Um, and they're about to interrogate him. But out of nowhere, Chai shows up. Our little gremlin man. And he has a baseball bat. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Like he, just up, he just shows up and just tries to hit him with a baseball bat. And like, Ryo just like knocks it away. He's like, what are you doing here? He's like, ah, runs away. <laughs> Chai's oh, thing boy. is gonna basically show, just be like, I'm gonna hit you with something. Oh no! <laughs> it's pretty great. So, in a house nearby, Ryo attempts to qu- ask questions of Yan Lang, but he pretty much is getting nowhere. 
So Shenhua's like, hey, everyone, stay outside. I'm going to interrogate him by myself. And somehow managed to terrorize the hell out of him. And he ends up getting information that's like, yeah, I work for the Chi Yu men, but I don't really know nothing more. I was just here to find the, the mirrors, and I don't know, man. It's crazy. Uh, this village is weird. And sort of like, well, we didn't really learn a whole lot, but, you know, I bet you if the, vil if the mirrors were made in this village, there's somebody in this village who probably knows about them. And it turns out there's this blind woman by the name of Elder Gay, and she's a woman who knows the history of Bailu Village, as well as the Verdant Bridge, which may hold the key to the mirrors. So at first she refuses to talk about it until Rio shows her the Phoenix Mirror, and then she's like, oh yes, the prophecy of the man from the east with the mirror of the Phoenix. Um, okay. And so she's, she's like, all right, yeah, I'll tell you about the bridge. So yeah, in 1910, an Imperial envoy came to the village. The bridge was built to welcome them. And then they demanded the stonemason makes a set of mirrors made of phantom river stone, which is only here. And then was made. And then we gave him the mirrors. Okay. And then? That's the mystery of the verdant bridge. It, the, the mystery is that it, it was made? Yep. And crossed by Imperial Envoys? Yeah, pretty much. That, okay, and then the mystery of the mirrors is they made some mirrors? Oh, the, the, the mystery is going to deepen on that. But okay. Yeah, no, the, the, there's this whole thing where, like, we've got to learn about the Verdant Bridge. What's a, what about the Verdant Bridge? And it's like, yeah, we built it so people could cross the river. Right. And it's like, rad. Okay, well, it sure is a bridge. So... This is drifting into the the lore trap, which yep. is when you start to make events more important than the people who live through them, your lore gets really boring. Mm-hmm. It becomes a series of past events that you weren't there for, that you hear about secondhand, and you're like, you just file it away in the codex, and it's like, okay, that's, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And here's the thing, Alex, this game is full of events just like this. I have excised the majority of them from this. Mm -hmm. I kept this one in specifically because of what happens exactly after this, and also as an example of what to expect if you play through this game. Because you're going to just hear all of this just all the time. Right. Of like, man, there's this mystery, there's this crazy thing that's going on with this store that sells Buddha statues. And it's like, yeah, man, we revere the Buddha, it's great. Like, Rad, I guess. That, that's not really a mystery. Did I have to go on a fetch quest to find this out as part of the main quest? Yeah, it it's something that I think if you're taking this game at face value and you're moving through it very slowly, it's probably fine. But for describing a story from point A to point B, it right. ends up being an incredible amount of fluff. Right. Well, and I again, I think the thing that differentiates if this is good or bad is mostly, is there sort of a human element to latch on to? In the way that it tells that story. Like, uh, oh, the stonemasons made this bridge. Okay, is, uh, uh, what was her name? Madam Gay? Um, Elder Gay. Elder Gay. Was her, you know, were her parents or grandparents stonemasons that helped build the bridge? What, did they have some drama to it? Were they proud of it? Were they fearful of the consequence like what 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 was the significance on an emotional level to anyone mm -hmm. and yeah. oh some people crossed it mm -hmm. yeah okay yeah pretty much pretty much like there is a little bit more of like oh yeah man all the people you've been meeting at this point were there to see the imperial envoys cross and man it was crazy right but like yeah that's about the most you get from it and so yeah it ends up coming down to being a story about how they built a bridge and they took the Phoenix and Dragon mirrors away. Which really maybe is the big thing to take away from that right. scene. Is that, oh, they were in another place at some point, and maybe that's going to mean something. And it turns out it may actually mean something, because she tells the duo to investigate the Bailu Bell Tower and find its secrets. And in the Bell Tower, they find a hidden room that after using the Sword of the Seven Stars, the weird floating sword that definitely does not float in this game, uh, if they reveal there's an orny gold dragon hiding in one of the walls, and it's holding a set of scrolls. Taking them back to Elder Ye, she reveals that the scrolls contain images of the phoenix and dragon mirrors, and she speculates that it may reveal hidden treasure. Okay, 
Problem number two, the freaking <laughs> legendary artifact chain. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna go back to a let's play I watched a while ago of uh-huh. uh Omicron the Nomad Soul, Quantic Dreams first game. Oh yes. Which is count how many legendary named artifacts exist simply to open a door leading to a different legendary artifact. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It just becomes an adventure game of a certain point where you get legendary sword in order to get, you know, a thumbnail in order to put into a wall that it's, puts it's, a piece of string that leads you to the other ancient treasure. It's ridiculous. You don't need eight ancient keys. <laughs> well, it turns out here you at least need one sword and two mirrors to potentially find the hidden treasures of the ancient Chinese emperors that I guess the... Um, the last ruling dynasty of of the Chinese Empire, uh, I guess they hoarded it out somewhere and decided to maybe use the Phoenix and Dragon mirrors as like some sort of map or mechanism to just hide the, that away for some reason. Sure, I guess they they buried the treasure and then wrote clues to the treasure in scrolls that they mm-hmm. enshrined in a bell tower that you can't access without mirrors that you need a sword to get them it's it's ridiculous yeah right like the sword leads to the treasure mm-hmm. that's all you need and then you need to figure out how the sword does that mm. yep pretty much pretty much oh it should be noted the mirrors don't actually open up the bell tower they're able to go up there at any point okay right yeah yeah, but, but they, still... they they open the secret compartment to show the dragon with the scrolls. Yeah, and they use the sword for that. So it's still okay. yeah, it still happens. Okay, and yeah, you do use the phoenix mirror to convince Elif to take you there. So it still is like ancient treasure to lead to ancient treasure to lead to ancient right. treasure. So yeah, like it turns out that there's potentially uh, ancient treasure somewhere out there, and the other scroll that they have reveals a picture of a town called Nawu. Now. It's very sad because both Ryo and Shenhua are confused by all this, and mm-hmm. and Ye is like, it's a, it's a treasure map, and it's it's a treasure map. You need to go to this place to find the treasure. Right. <laughs> Your father's probably there, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> so leaving uh, this place, they start to make their way to Nauu when Chai shows up and steals one of the scrolls before cartwheeling away. Except he stops halfway and goes, "What if I fought Ryo instead?" This goes badly, and he loses the scroll. And oh. after they basically throw Chai on the ground and beat him up, Chai reveals that uh, the stonemasons were taken to Nauu as well, so even more reason to go. So they all get on a boat. They all, I mean, uh, uh, Ryo and Shenhua, they, they don't take Chai with them. Chai, okay. unfortunately, is not, he's not a friend now, but uh, they make their way to, to Nauu, which is a riverside village with a lot of shops, souvenir stores, hotels, and temples, and whatnot. It's like your big major hub area. Mm-hmm. Uh, so staying at a local hotel they began searching for traces of her father uh, now almost immediately arriving they meet a young woman by the name of Fen Lee uh, she's a woman with brown hair wearing a plain grayish blue dress uh, good with kids really helpful in general about pointing <sighs> oh, out various things oh my god how many times do we need this character don't worry there's going to be a twist with this character okay there's going to be a slight twist. Mm-hmm. So Ryo like, quickly learns uh, that Yu Shen Yan and the other kidnapped stone maces were indeed in town. And after running into Feng Li again, she also just like helps point him in the right direction. It's like, oh yeah, the street you look for is over there. Like there's one point he's like, have you seen some thugs? And she's like, that's a thug. He's like, ah shit, yeah, thanks. <laughs> gonna go beat him up. <laughs> It turns out she's, like, helping out Shenhua as well. Like, Shenhua runs into mm-hmm. her, and she, like, points her in the right direction. And she seems to know a decent amount about both Ryo, Shenhua, and, uh, once again, the thugs that they're trying to find in general. Uh-huh. So, speaking of thugs, Ryo runs into some of them, and after beating him up, he learns about a criminal gang called the Red Snakes. Ryo gets the idea that if he beats him up, he might find out about Shenhua's father. So Ryo continues to chase after the thugs when he runs into the biggest thug of them all. Wu Ying Ren. Good old Ren from Shenmue mm-hmm. 2. Yep. He's back and he's still an amoral jerk like he always has been. Now, Ren is here because he's attempting to buy some substandard chow mein and he's really, really upset at the vendor. And Ryo's like, why are you here? He's like, 
getting food. What do you think? <laughs> Everyone's like, no, be serious. You were in Hong Kong last time I saw you. And he's like, well, remember how we talked to all those people back in Shenmue 2 and they said there's some treasure. And I was like, man, treasure sounds good. I want to get some treasure. I'm here for some treasure. Anyways, I'm going to leave now. Bye. So Ryo discovers the Red Snake's hideout in a warehouse located by the hotel. And after like trying to defeat the gang, uh, he ends up like meeting the leader. Leader beats him up. And now he's in a similar situation by the village where he's just getting absolutely wrecked by this gang. So Ryo finds Ren. He's like, hey, can you help me out? He's like, yeah, sure, man. If you help me grift some people, I'll help you out, which Ryo does. And, well, okay, he doesn't help him grift him. He's basically like, hey, find me a mushroom for this man who needs it because he's sick. And Ryo's like, okay, I, I failed to find the mushroom. And Ren's like, ah, don't worry, I found it. It's cool. Ryo's like, what about the old man? He's like, what old man? And Ryo's like, ah, damn it. <laughs> okay, so that, that sounds pointless. It was incredibly pointless. It's great. Also, you know what my favorite part of any martial arts kung fu e- epic is? What's that? It's when the protagonist is constantly getting beaten up by stronger and stronger thugs and makes no discernible, like, improvement in himself to be able to effectively handle the situations he finds himself in over time. Yeah, right? Because, like, they make a big thing about the end of Shenmue 2 of you, um, you know, defeating the, like, the leader of the gang that you're fighting against. Uh, right. And like, but then like here, it's like almost like you're back to square one. Right. Oh man, but mountain thugs though. Yeah, mountain thugs. Chai is like this like incredible martial arts master you be at the end of Shenmue 1. But now he's just kind of a joke and just like this random dude who leads this random gang is just like so much tougher than you. Yeah, it's it's kind of disheartening and makes you think that Ryu's just not going to stand a chance when he meets up Landy. It's it's not going well. And, like, if they had at least explained it away with, like, oh, these people are masters in their own right who have some mastered some aspect of martial arts that Ryo doesn't understand how to fight. Okay, and, so... And, mm. Okay, the leader of the Red Snakes does have that. Okay. He uses a style that's basically ten different styles in one that all mimic a different animal. Okay, that's actually pretty cool okay sorry yeah probably an important thing to point out now no, that, that, that okay yes that does make this flow a little bit better because it, it feeds into the idea that rio needs to not just be strong in one style he needs to expand his mind to incorporate many different things yeah indeed indeed so yeah so rio uh get convinces ren to help him fight the red snake's leader which does not go well. Ren's like, I can take him. Oh, no, I can't take him. <laughs> that is probably not the way he should have tried to expand his mind. That is probably not, no. And it ends, once again, the same way of, like, the last time they fought those, where it's like, they get beaten up, and they're like, ha ha, go home, cry to your mom. They have to, right. like, crawl on out and whatnot. It's like, man, you're supposed to be a gang leader. You figure, like, man, these guys keep coming back. We just need to kill them or something. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, you, you would think. But no. So... Ryo eventually decides he needs to train, and there's apparently experts of Baji Zen that are in town. Uh, Kui Zhu and Zazi uh, Bei, who, upon talking with them, they help assist him in learning new martial arts moves and whatnot. After, of course, he proves that he has the discipline and you know, mindset necessary to do so, just like right. the previous person he learned from in Bailu Village. So are all these martial arts masters just hanging out and not dealing with the thug problem plaguing the towns? They are absolutely not dealing with the thug problem plaguing with the town. Cool. Although to be fair to these two, they will eventually help deal with the thug problem that is plaguing the town. Uh-huh. Just not initially. Okay. So before they do all that, Ryo does take Ren back to meet Shenhua back at the hotel. And then they have maybe one of the most awkward conversations I've ever ever seen in a video game that feels at best poorly translated (laughs) or at least poorly directed where like Ren is like wow you hooked up with a girl that's crazy and Ryo's like oh this is Shenhua no I didn't and Shenhua's like Ryo who's that oh this is my friend Ren hey Ren this is Shenhua it's like wow that's crazy I gotta go and Shenhua's like wow he seems interesting and Rio's like, man, you can't take Ren anywhere. And it's like, uh, I feel like this 
something was lost in the translation here. It feels like y'all weren't necessarily talking at each other. Right. It, it's so strange. Like, mm. to, be, though, to be fair, that's basically every conversation that Rio has with Shenhua is just mm-hmm. them reciting facts to each other. And right. then usually going, I see. Oh, also at this time, if you did um, get to, if you're a backer and whatnot, you would get a phone card and you can call all your friends from Shenmue. Like, you want to call Nozomi and talk to her? You, you can. You want to talk to Tom? You can talk to Tom. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah rad. Yeah, you could, you could talk to all your friends. It's cool. They don't add anything, so we're not going to talk about them. I have to say, this sounds like a Sega game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? Like, I am getting infinite, like, on Sonic Adventure and Sonic 06 vibes constantly. Oh yeah, Sonic. Oh, Sonic 06. Definitely, it looks. It looks like it would not be out of place in Sonic 06. Honestly, in terms of like random fetch quest in like mm-hmm. conversations that go nowhere. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. No. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, Yu Suzuki. He, he has his his Sega pedigree on his shoulder, man. He's, yeah. he's wearing it with pride. Yep. Hmm. So, Rio and Ren the next day plan on fighting the Red Sneak's leader again. But then they f- go to the warehouse and they find that Feng Li is there alone in the warehouse hideout, just staring at a fire, unblinking. Oh, oh good. Rio and Ren then ask where the red snakes went, and she just monotone says, "Oh, the land belongs to her, so I had them leave." They're like, "Oh, wh- where are they?" <laughs> <laughs> and she says, "Oh, well, I guess they're at the old castle that's across the bay. Also, they abducted your friend." Puts paper in the fire, watches it burn, and we're like, "Oh, huh? Do you want to lap? We're gonna leave you if you're fire. <laughs> we gotta go." <laughs> so they find a letter from Thing saying that if Rio wants to save his little girlfriend, he should come to the old castle and bring the Phoenix Mirror with him. Apparently, also Feng literally just showed up and told Shenhua in a flashback that the Red Snakes kidnapped Rio and that Shenhua needs to come with her. And so Rio's like, I can't believe I trusted her. We gotta go stop her. So Rio immediately wants to do that. But Ren's like, eh, we should go to sleep first. Rio's like, uh. And Ren's like, eh, don't worry about it. She'll be fine in the morning. I'll see you in the docks tomorrow. At said docks, we see a flashback of Ren robbing a curio store of a mirror that looks remarkably like the Phoenix mirror. And he shows it to Rio, saying that, hey, let's use this to trick him and get Shenhua back. Rio really hates this idea, refuses to go along with this. But then Ren leaves is like, hey, don't worry, I got another plan, a plan I can't tell you about quite yet. Get us a boat, though, to get us across the bay. So Ryo then goes back to Bay, uh, the person who helped uh, teach him new cool martial arts moves. Mm-hmm. And he's like, hey, you have a boat. Can you help us go to the old castle? And he's like, no, if you go there, it's full of gangsters, you'll die. You can't even beat the Red Snakes. How can you obviously defeat a stronghold full of Chiyu men? And Ryo's like, uh, what if I really want to, though? And Bay is like, fine, I'll help you. And then Ren shows up with everybody you've helped out to this point, and they're going to come along for the ride. She's shoes here. Uh, Bay's also going to come along with you. Also a Chinese woman who's dressed up as a Japanese shrine maiden, who we haven't talked about yet, and will not because she's not important. They're all here to help out with Ryu's like, big plan to just go and run into an old Chinese castle and fight a bunch of people. It's really great. Uh... Like, obviously, I understand what they're going for, but the only thought I can have is, wow, Shinmu 1 pulled this off way better. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, with you teaming up with Guizong and... Yeah, mm-hmm. just the way this slaps you in the face of, like, the the relationships you've made are important. I'm like, yeah, no, I understand. Yeah, you helped out all these people. The Shrine Maiden lady hit me through a broom once, and it hurt a lot. So you know she's a good fighter. Yeah, it's like, oh, but you, you just did a couple fetch quests for these people. It's not that big of a deal. Come yeah, on. Yeah, you're not good enough friends for them to, like, lay their lives down on this insane mission. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this insane mission, that is definitely going to get you killed, Ryo. But, like, the Shinmu one has this sort of subtlety of, like, the things you do for people help you become stronger and a more worldly person and fighter mm-hmm. but not like in a in as direct a way yeah 
like they add to you, but those people, they, those people don't like stand up next to you on the front lines. Hmm. Yeah, no, no. Unless you enter a, a cheat code during a cutscene, in which okay. case Nozomi will actually fight, fight alongside you in one of them. Okay, well, that's rad, but still. That is rad, but still, yeah, yeah. That does not apply into this case. But yeah, it's all about you make the friends and they make you stronger in a way right. that isn't necessarily just punch people. Yeah. And here it's like, well, what if they all showed up and punched people? Or hit I'm them like, with a broom? I'm like, I don't, I don't know if most of these people are good at that. And that's, that's kind of what establishes Ryo, is that he is a strong fighter once he has these things behind him. Mm-hmm. But this is just being like, wow, Ryo, you were really struggling where this lady with a broom seems to be excelling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And once again, it comes back to the problem we talked about earlier, where it's like, wow, Ryo's supposed to have learned like all these techniques and gotten stronger through his journey to the point where he should really be a little bit more competent than he is now. Right. And then it turns out it's like, nah, actually, he really isn't. Yeah. Yeah. And don't worry. That's still going to be on full display as we get to the next part where everyone gets on the boat, goes across the bay and lands on the shore. And so the plan is Rio and Ren are going to head into the old castle while everyone else holds off the Chiyu men. And so Rio like goes into the castle and he finds the stonemasons and Chai shows up, gets beaten up. And he's like, go away, weird man. And Rio finally meets up with Yushen Yan, uh, Shen Hua's uh, stepdad. And he's like, hey, wow, I found you. Shen Hua's been kidnapped. I gotta go rescue her. Uh, just go down to the docks. And so they go to the top of the castle and upon busting in, they see a sexy woman just lounging on a couch in a, in a red Chinese dress with long red hair and basically being a stereotypical sexy bad lady. Uh-huh. She's just like surrounded by a couple guys, suits, She's smoking a long, like one of those long cigarette things, mm-hmm. and she barely pays attention to Rio and Ren. This woman, his name is Nelson. She basically just asks him, "Hey, uh, got the mirror?" And that's what real real finally realizes this is Feng Li. It's like, oh wow, you got a glow up. This is crazy. So it turns out she's one of the leaders of the Chi Yu men, second only to Lan Di and leader of basically the southern operations of their criminal enterprise. So she's like, give me the mirror. Rio's like, no. She's like, bring out Shenhua, put knife to throat. You should hand me the mirror. He's like, okay, but if you you have to let go of Shenhua, she's like, yeah, sure, I'll do that. Whatever, I don't care, just give me the mirror. Mm-hmm. And so Rand at first is about to give her the fake mirror, but Rio stops him and hands over the real mirror. And now it's like, oh, cool, yeah, no, here's Shenhua. Rad. Uh, by the way, Landy is in, waiting in the castle. And by the castle, I mean the even larger castle behind this one. <laughs> okay. And the, her man opened the doors, and there's a big, cool-looking castle. And she's like, all right, you're going to probably die, but go ahead and fight your way there and do what you need to do. Bye! <laughs> and you're like, seriously? You're just going to let us do that? She's like, yep. This, this is a Leave. weird organization. It's a very weird organization. So... In an incredibly long fight scene where you fight Kickstarter backers, you fight your mm. way to the top of the castle, run into the leader of the Red Snakes again, where they finally beat up with moves that you've learned. And in a fight where Ren also just does not help out. Okay, yeah. And as night dramatically falls, they finally enter the castle for reals. And inside, they find Land D. And he's just casually sitting down, surrounded by the soldiers. And he's like, doesn't even speak. He just. Amelia six an old man martial artist on Rio, who Rio easily defeats. He then tells an elegant old man who uses Jeet Kune Do to fight Ren in a very comedic fight where he's just easily defeated. Mm-hmm. Ren then goes, all right, I'm out. You just, it's up to you to finish this off. And so Rio defeats the rest of the men. And then Landy is like, hmm, you've improved. And then the castle just catches on fire. Oh, Okay. <laughs> Yeah, turns out Nal showed up and she's just like, ha ha, I set the castle on fire. You'll land in and take control of the Chiyu men. I'm yeah. going to look at this fire and laugh because I like fire. Yeah, okay. that Yeah, this is tracking. This is tracking. Landy is absolutely unfaced and unimpressed by the fire. <laughs> and just says, hey, Rio, you've improved. Rio then challenges him. And Landy slowly stands up. 
walks forward and you actually fight him. It's an actual fight against him. And by wow. fight, I, I mean he keeps his hand behind his back most of the time. He just schools Rio and Ren. Okay, yeah, there it is. Like, Ren eventually is like, oh, I gotta help out. He, like, he tries to kick him in. He just, like, casually grabs leg, casually flips him, casually just backhands Rio, casually kicks him, picks him up and is like, I guess it's about time to send you to see your father, huh? And that's when Ren says, hey, you looking for this, right? And pulls out the fake mirror. And he's like, looks over, sees the fake mirror, doesn't say anything, no change in facial expression, drops Rio, turns and faces Ren. Uh-huh. <laughs> what was part three of this plan? Part three of this plan is that Ren throws the mirror out the window. Okay. Interesting move. Interesting move. This distracts Landy, who apparently is fixated on the mirror, because he takes two steps forward towards the window. Then just stops. Then stares. No facial expression. Doesn't pay attention to Rio and Ren getting up and running out. <laughs> and he just stands there as the entire castle just burns down around him. Uh-huh. <laughs> Doesn't move a muscle. It's really awkward. Huh. <laughs> it's like they forgot to make him emote. <laughs> Outside, the gang watches it all burn down. Or like... Wow, that's a that was a thing. Anyways, they decide that they need to leave Nauu by boat. And the reason being is because Ryo talked to Yao Shen Yan and he shows him a photo of his father, which Yan recognizes. And he also, of course, recognizes Yao as well. Ryo then basically tells him all about the dragon, Phoenix Mirrors, and Yan saddened to know that his family has brought so much tragedy with something that his ancestors had made. He then tells him that the mirror used to be locked in a cliff temple deep in China. And it turns out that the Chiyu men a long time ago wanted to get the mirrors. So Zhao broke in, got the mirrors first, but then died mysteriously later. His son, Long Soon, was then raised by the Chiyu men. Long Soon, of course, being Lan Di. He then also tells them that the temple where the mirror was found is now taken over by the Chiyu men, and Lan Di has to be there if he actually bothered to walk out of the burning castle, anyways. <laughs> the game then ends with Ryo, Shenhua, and Ren deciding to all go after this, and they are last seed walking along the Great Wall of China. And that's how the game ends. Alright, I... Mm. <laughs> Alex, how are you feeling? I don't know. That's about how I feel. Yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, it is a story that does have an arc. There are things that happen, but at the same time, it almost feels like they're back at square one, in a way. Right, and that's so. This, now that there are three of these games, it's a very interesting series because the first one is very deliberate. Mm -hmm. It covers one of sixteen chapters, just the one, and mm -hmm. it is utterly disinterested with moving forward at more than a snail's pace. Yeah, like it, it could not be less concerned. Mm -hmm. The second game clearly has more urgency to it mm -hmm. like from from a design standpoint you get the sense of okay this has to move forward because we're not going to be able to do that 16 times yeah and to a degree that kind of works to its detriment that a, a lot of the story that is there doesn't get the same time to get as fleshed out it feels like mm. It accomplishes more, but it does it, I guess, less holistically, hmm. in a way. Three feels like it is trying to get back to the same place that one is at. Yeah. Yeah, actually, that's a good point. It, Especially since you quickly realize that, it, like, other than, like, the Bailu village part, which just seems like they're more just finishing up chapter five. Right. It really just takes place in one place. Right. Yeah, and... and you're just getting to know the residents, and they're the ones who come together in the end to help you fight uh, poorly Landy. Right. But the problem is that the way it goes about telling that story is also the same as Shenmue 1. Hmm. And so even though it is a return to what it feels like Yu Suzuki wants to make these games be like, it ends up moving backwards as far as storytelling. Mm -hmm. because you lose sort of the sense of 
progress, it feels like. Yeah. Yeah, I I can totally see that. Yeah, because you just all of a sudden just slow down so much more because of that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's part of the reason why I find this game so much less compelling than the original Shenmue. Mm-hmm. It's because I I got to experience that slow pace and that was really, really cool. Yeah. But then with like Shenmue 3, they tried to do that again. And they tried to be very upfront and in your face about it in a way that's kind of weird. Like with the, once again, like how you show up and there's going to be like, hey, there's a bunch of capsule toys you can buy. Here's a bunch right. of weird mini games you could do. Right. Like they immediately want to let you know this is Shenmue like you remember it. And it's like, right. well, I kind of wanted more of an evolution. Right. Yeah. And it, I think part of the problem to me is that, so I'm kind of on board with the slower pace and the, you know, again, getting to know people and becoming stronger through your connections with people. Mm-hmm. I think what is strange and frustrating to me is that Kyo hasn't caught on to that. Yeah. Despite ostensibly having done this like four times. He, yeah, he's still an incredibly naive person who's still just constantly trying to grow. Yeah, but he, he he's still trying to grow quickly. Yeah. Like, he, he has still been not been able to embrace this philosophy or even start to catch on to it. It's, it still feels like he's being forced into it every time. Yeah, and it really makes me wonder if, like, how, how deliberate that is. If, like... Like, that's part of the character arc that they're going for, or if that's them just kind of falling back to what they've originally done. Right. Because at the... Yeah, it makes it seem like just Ryo just isn't growing as a person. Yeah. Which is frustrating after three games. It is. And it, it is frustrating when the audience's perception of things severely outpaces the characters. Mm-hmm. When you get to the point of, like, everyone watching this understands what's supposed to be happening, why don't you, main mm-hmm. character? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, and I think that maybe is like one of the biggest feelings of Shenmue is that right. its main character, Ryo, is much like how he acts and how he moves. He is very much set in stone. Yeah. yeah um, that- I, I think probably the third game's problem is also, again, its plot is very fixated on the mysteries and the history and the events. Mm-hmm. Because, like, I think Shinmu 1, that pace sort of worked because the driving motivation was Kyo and his, or, or Ryo and his quest for revenge. Mm-hmm. And, like, having to deal with his grief and his frustration and not being consumed by that and still learning to reach out to the rest of the world. Versus this, it's like you, you know, you go through however many hours of side quests to get close to these people and you're told that, oh, yeah, there some mirrors were used by the the Emperor Dynasty to bury treasure. Mm-hmm. That's maybe like the craziest thing about this is that Shenmue Shenmue 2 ends with two giant mirrors, a floating sword that shoots laser beams. Mm-hmm. And like it seems like in a deliberate attempt to like move away from the more mystical elements after they were poorly received in Shenmue Online and Shenmue City. Right. They were like, okay, we got to make this more grounded. What if this thing that supposedly can bring, bring back to Xing Dynasty, what, what if it was just ancient Chinese treasure? Right. Which is like, well, I mean, that's cool. Yeah, it's kind of cool, but also who cares? It does seem a little less exciting. Like, they it's, were setting it up where it's like, oh, man, Dragon's just going to show up at some point. It's yeah. Like, That'd be pretty cool. Yeah. So, like, it's it's definitely less exciting, but it's also just so much less personal. Like, mm-hmm. Ryo doesn't care. Yeah, he does not. And therefore, neither do we. Oh, I just got it. Landy's the dragon and Ryo's the phoenix. That's why they each have one has a dragon, the other has the phoenix mirror. Oh, man. Wait, did you? Did you just get that? I'm I'm afra- I'm afraid to say that I just did. Alex. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> You're like, yeah, I thought that was obvious, but um, Abby, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow, Shenmue, a game that really spells everything out. Apparently, could not spell things out enough for me. Yeah, it's you know, you know what? That's that's what happens when you've consumed this point. 
tens of hours of content of Shenmue. Yeah, yeah, pro- probably too much. Probably too much. And I don't know, Alex, unless you have any final thoughts, maybe that's where we should leave it. I, I, I My only final thought is I echo your sentiment that I would be interested to see how Yu Suzuki ends this. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I feel like this project has just outlived itself. <laughs> yeah, I think it really has. I think it really has at this point. Uh, but hey, you know, I'm, if they do say they're going to make a Shenmue 4, I'm not going to lie to you, I would pay attention to it. Yeah, probably. I just feel compelled at this point. It, it, ne- it probably needs to end on 4, though. Yeah, no, yeah, no, please d- don't. Don't make more after that. Just end it. I, I don't care if you have 60% of the story left. Brevity is the soul of wit. Make it happen, man. Yep. Ah, and with that, we should probably keep this brief. And by that, I mean end the podcast. So if you want to listen to more episodes such as this, you should go to ftp.podbeat.com or search for Fallen Through Potholes on your podcast service of choice. Uh, you know, Leave a like, a review, and subscribe. We do definitely appreciate the feedback. And it lets us know if we're doing a good job or not. Alex, thank you for going on this radical journey. Radical is the wrong word to use for Shenmue. <laughs> um, this uh, methodical journey through the Shenmue series with me. Of course. And thank you, viewer. Take care. Take care.